Welcome to another edition of the Dogger Pass Podcast. This for UFC Moscow. Zabit versus Qatar was supposed to be JDS versus uh, Volkov. And then, you know, people are all up in arms that it isn't a five-round fight and yada, yada, yada. We're going to talk about all of that type of stuff. Before we get to any first off, Cody Savdick here in studio. What's up, Paul? What's going on, buddy? Yeah, happy to be here. Breaking down a little Russian action. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, some of our, yeah, some of our favorite greasy cards. Afternoon yeah, cards yeah. from Russia. Whole extra layer of greasy going oh, on yeah. here, people, which we wrote. There will down. be theories. Greasy theories will, will be, be had. But before we get to any of that, let's uh, talk about giveaways from last week. We have Cole Bowl 23, K-A- K-O-H-L-B-O-W-L 23. Congratulations. You are the winner of 20 DK dollars. Uh, also... We'll get back to this week's contest in a second, but uh, longtime fan of the show, a real OG in the uh, Dogger Pass community. Good dude. Uh, Bufo on the B, that's B-U-F-O on the B on Twitter, is uh, 31 years old today, so happy birthday to you. Bufo on the B. He tells me, straight from the source, that Bufo is uh, named after the Sonoran Desert Toad that produces DMT and makes you trip balls. When you smoke it. This sounds like a Joe Rogan I mean, experience type of thing. When, because yeah, I'm when sure Buf- Joe would love some Bufo. Yeah, Bufo definitely, when he's not listening to us, is probably Joe Rogan by night, you know? Yeah. yeah, As yeah Nick Diaz sure. would, Or uh, Nick Diaz would say. Anyway, uh, this week's winner. I didn't even think about anything. Uh, <laughs> we do this all the time. Come in. Guns a blazing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, how about this? How about Give this? us a greasy theory. Have we done that one recently? Eh, but we're in Russia. You can always do it. Like, yeah, that's, a, that's an easy go-to. Fair enough. All right? Fair so enough. what you got to do, a- give the episode a like, leave your DK handle, and give us your greasy theory about something on the curb. I mean, the Volkov versus Hardy fight, I'm sure everyone's got something <laughs> yeah. on that one. We'll Fair get enough. to all of that type of stuff, but uh, let's get into the action here. Main event, three-round main event. Don't be fooled. Uh, Zabit Magomed Sharapov takes on Calvin Cater. He is a minus 300 favorite. Cater is plus 250. Where are you going with this one, Cody? Yeah, it almost feels like this could be a classic case of uh, Russian fuckery because it almost seems like Zabit is being set up to win. First of all, is it a favorable matchup for Zabit? Yeah, I guess considering Calvin Cater is probably going to want to stand with him. Zabit has his best exchange of standing. It's going to be a fun, exciting fight. Uh, it's a good matchup. Is Calvin Cater a walkover opponent? No. Is this set up for him to win in that regard? No. This is a setup. This is not a setup fight. It's the kind of fight that you go out there and you put on a good performance against this guy who's at the top of his game. It moves you along further in the title discussions. But herein lies where the Russian fuckery comes into play. This matchup was booked like what? Three weeks ago or something like that for UFC Boston. UFC Boston, Paul, because Calvin mm-hmm. Cater, the local fighter from the area, would have gotten a huge crowd pop. He would have uh, probably, I don't know, if it went to scorecards, he could have had at least a fair shake out of it. Yep. But instead you say, oh, geez, Sharapov's out. Okay, well, what's Magomed Sharapov out with? It can't be an injury because he's rebooked in three weeks. Only the fight rebooked three weeks later is now in Moscow, Russia. So you take it out of Cater's backyard and you're bringing it all the way to Magomed Sharapov's mm-hmm. backyard. So that right off the bat... Is a little bit of Russian fuckery. Okay. Then on top of that, you say, when does a beat not look good? Because the motherfucker looks superhuman. But when much, does yeah. he not look good? 
maybe like late in the fight. Bokniak mm-hmm. kind of stretches him out a little bit, has some success in the third, although I thought he won the third still, has some success. Jeremy Stevens extends him out a little bit, has some success. Kelvin Cater's a dog, and this guy can strike. Yep. And this guy's going to be there with you. Five-round fight makes it interesting. You take that off the table. You put it in Russia. You add all those elements. It's got a favor towards Magomed Sharpov. Thing is, is I don't like the price here at minus yeah. three hundred. I mean, that suggests walkover fight. Yeah. I mean, he's one of the K- bigger favorites K- on the card. On a card where there's a lot of nice-looking matchups, he's one of the bigger favorites. Yep, Cater just—he's—he's he's a yeah, he's a top ten fighter. He's—he's he's excellent. His last two fights he used to be you know he's what the boston finisher yeah this is his nickname and then that was the inside joke that he never finished any of his fights well he's been finishing fights the last couple times out everything seems to be coming together for him yeah like the the minus 300 on zabit seems a little bit too steep here uh for me to get on board i see people taking their shots on cater i don't i don't hate it i think he can probably just continue to wait though i don't think this is going to come smashing down like people are going to bet the russian in russia if you like that side, right now for me, I, I, I favor Zabit. I share a lot of the same sentiments as you. That uh, three round, if it was five rounds, Cater at this price. All right, let's let let's go. I don't know if Zabit's got that five rounds uh, in him. He hasn't proven it to this point. He really but I mean, hasn't. He'll have a great game plan here with Mark Henry and crew. Uh, he trains with the best guys in the world. And another element that a lot of people aren't talking about is they're giving Calvin Cater a good shot because Calvin Cater is a wicked striker. Whereas he might not have that natural power. He's an accurate striker. And those are the shots that knock you out. Who cares how much power you have? It's if you nail this guy right on the button, you knock them out. Guys like Burgos, I guess, has an okay chin, except for the Kurt Holloba fight. I still don't understand that one. But, I mean, you hit the guy, you knock them out. Again, his last fight, same thing. I mean, he's showing us that he's an accurate, high-level striker. But Zabit's not just a striker. He's got a wicked good ground game as well. He's got wicked good submissions as well. And how has Calvin Cater uh, struggled traditionally throughout his career or historically throughout his career? Maybe kind of with those grappling exchanges. So why can't he at least go out, get takedowns in the first round, score in the first round, get the first two rounds under his belt, and if the third round's close, eh, whatever, 29-28. If the first round's a beat, the second round's close, mm-hmm. and the third round's cater, and they're still going to give it to Zabit. And if anything's close, exactly. Exactly. So, I, I mean, listen, I got Zabit, but for minus 300, it's like the value is undeniably on Calvin Cater, but I can't talk myself into going with that bet mm-hmm. on Calvin Cater quite yet. So we'll see how things uh, play out and progress. Uh, the interesting thing, which we'll get to at the end, there's always time codes and everything for that, is that this fight on DraftKings is usually, most people are going to be just under the assumption, you know, the hardcores and stuff, they know that this is a two, uh, sorry, a three-round main event, but a lot of people are just going to assume that it's a five-rounder because pretty much every single card are five-rounders. Um, there's a lot of, you know, issues like in terms of that, that we'll talk about with the DraftKings perspective in terms of ownership and like whether you can play, whether you should play these guys, like what, what to attack. So look at, yeah, look into the time codes if you just want to skip to the DraftKings breakdown here. I think we're both on the same page. It's like, we like Zabit to win the fight. He is our pick, but minus 300. It's just like, this is a tough opponent and he should be respected. We got Alexander Volkov taking on. Greg Hardy, Volkov minus 290, Hardy plus 240. One of the biggest shockers here is like people like Greg Hardy in this. Everything about this fight leads me to believe I'm just like the guy with way more experience. 30 and 7. He's been like he's fought some of the best people in the in the organization. Yeah, sure. He got knocked out by Derek Lewis, but he was dominating that fight up until the point that he was unconscious. 
And Derek Lewis just sometimes has these moments where he completely. It's a Derek Lewis kind of know, thing to do. Greg Hardy, maybe he's going to be able to use his puffer over in Russia. No, no. They've said he's not allowed to <laughs> oh. use his puffer over in Russia. What is he going to do? But a greasy theory could be had in the comments section about what he's going to do about not having said puffer in Russia. I mean, I'm all for Greg Hardy going in. Like, let's let's stop the, you know, he's been fighting Brett Benson solely. Like, let's give him a real opponent. And this is an opponent that at least doesn't have, like, the crushing knockout power to, like, completely stomp him, I don't think. I could be totally wrong. These are heavyweights fight, fighters. But uh, it's an interesting matchup because I thought Greg Hardy, you know, pre, pre-puffer or whatever, he's like, he was looking a lot more patient last time out against, but it was Ben Sassoli. He's just like a really, really small opponent. Like now he's taking on somebody who's like six foot nine, kind of, he's giving up a lot of height and whatnot. I don't know. Like my mind tells me that Volkov just kind of dances circles around him and picks his shots and, Really, really embarrasses Hardy totally here, but something seems stinky around these parts about this one. What, what's your take here? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say I got respect for Gre- to Gre- for Greg Hardy because, you know, he's got such a checkered past, but I, I kind of got respect for to Greg Hardy for taking this fight. Mm-hmm. I mean, because of the embarrassment of the last fight, and mind you, his UFC career has been wonky. Uh, he's got the disqualification under his belt. His last fight against Sassoli, he's winning. He's up two rounds, and then he decides to take a puffer. It's been a shit show. No, it's been a total shit show. So he realizes this and is just like, fuck it. I'm going to step up to the plate here and take this big fight. But I think it's a case of too much too soon. I mean, he's just not quite ready for that. He hasn't been fighting MMA for all that long. Whereas you got Alexander Volkov, that's a former Bellator heavyweight champion. Mm-hmm. He, he's fought all over Russia. He's in his own backyard. He's got 37 professional fights, as you mentioned. He's a Kukushin black belt in karate. Like, the guy's got skills, man. He's a lifelong it, martial artist. Yeah, and he's not that bad on the ground either. The no. thing is, is that when you're that tall, it's so easy to take you down. But I don't expect Greg Hardy to take him down. So he's got a lot of advantages in this fight. The other thing is that it comes down to classic heavyweight matchup. Could Greg Hardy land that one big shot on Volkov? Yeah, sure he could. It's a heavyweight matchup. Mm-hmm. Greg Hardy's extremely athletic. He's a big guy, and he seems to pack a pretty good punch. If he catches him, maybe he can hurt him. Flip side to that, though, is that if Volkov catches Greg Hardy, you don't know what's going to happen because you've never seen We've Greg never Hardy get caught yet. Not by an elite type of guy. Basically by nobody. Yeah, I mean, yeah. when you look at the guys that he's been fighting, it's generally first-round finishes. The one fight that extended him out with Alan Crowder, Crowder took him down, right? It wasn't like Crowder was kicking his ass standing or anything like that. So Soli has a 72-inch reach. That that's just, it's unbelievably small for a heavyweight, and it's unbelievably small comparatively to Alexander Volkov. Yeah. Now, you actually made a great point there. Hardy made a lot of improvements between fights. Mm-hmm. His footwork actually looked much improved, but he's had no time to make any additional improvements. No. You're probably going to see the same version that came in in that last fight against Sassoli. So, And I just think fighting at range like he was against Sassoli, yeah. while you're taking on a guy who's just going to be able to pick you off with... A longer reach and everything like that. Right. And now again, he may just barge forward. Like maybe he is coached by smart people. I know that they don't seem smart from letting him use, I don't know, a puffer inside of the cage. Well, he's ATT. He's got the best guys in the game. Yeah, I know. But I don't know what uh, Dean Thomas was. Dean was like, Dean's been around for like, think about how many corners that guy has been in. Like, there's a reason why he's probably never let anybody ever do this before. He himself fought for 30 or for 30 pro fights. That's what I'm saying. Like, this guy, there's, you know, rare. Like few people that are as experienced in a corner as that guy, and I don't know what they were thinking. 
No, no, no. You're not trying. Try to get away with one. But my my thing is, it sure. wasn't like it wasn't and like, like it doesn't matter. Everyone accepts like, that as being a Greg Hardy win, right? Like he was on the on the path to winning that fight, regardless of the puff fight. That's the part I don't understand. I could fully justify being like, okay, you know what? You're down two rounds. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> take this puffer and just go out there and bum rush him. Yeah. But in this case, it's like it's a game dude, of Russian roulette. You're, you're comfortably up two. This guy just doesn't look like he's got mm-hmm. anything to offer you. Just dance around him. Who cares if you need your puffer? It wasn't like it was going to help him that much, right? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, listen, all the same. Again, classic heavyweight fight here. But the Derek Lewis fight with Volkov. Volkov outlands him like 146 to 30-something. Like, yeah. he, he triples him up. He abs- quadruples him up, really. Absolutely thrashes him pillar to post. But yeah. Derek Lewis is one of those guys that stayed in the fight. Because mm-hmm. a lot of fights, it appears he's getting shit kicked. And he stays in it, maybe makes something happen. He's fought in guys like Ngannou who never pulled the trigger, but lived to tell the tale. You know what I mean? Like, how many people can say that? It was like it's Nelson Derek back Lewis. in the day where it's just yeah. like he only threw like f- like seven significant strikes during that fight. Yeah. I don't have actually now, the numbers now, in front of me, but it was those those were the only like significant parts of that fight. And somehow he just won with like last 15 seconds. And Roy Nelson's chin, legendary. So he was able to survive Volkov. Same type of scenario. Was not, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Because he's able to, his power, like, late into round three when he looks dog-tired and and dead, like, is is legendary. It's it's crazy what this guy's able to do. Yeah, we don't know that, we don't know that Greg Hardy can carry power into the later rounds, but Mm -hmm. talking about his power in general, I mean, he's beaten some very questionable guys. And then, and then the guys that he didn't knock out. Yeah, the guys he didn't knock out, Alan Crowder and Ben Sassoli, like, does he got a tremendous amount of power? Mark Hunt has power. Yeah. Alistair Overeem has power. Those guys, it's like, you you know Derek Lewis. He's got power. Those guys have proven. They've got legitimate power. They've knocked out legitimate people. You cannot sleep on them. Again, you can't sleep on anybody because it's a heavyweight fight. But I, I don't know that he's got enough legendary power to just walk out there and blast Volkov. I feel like... It's going to be interesting what the game plan is. Because yeah. honestly, and this is just if I was making the game plan, which yeah. I'm not. These are smarter minds than me. But my game plan would be... Fucking go right at yes. him. Do not hang back. That's, Do not if I'm try in to... his corner. I'm yeah, saying yeah, you yeah, can't yeah. win like you, you need did to... against Sasoli against this guy. You need to fucking go right at this guy right and away. Just put him away. Yeah, you probably. And maybe they're confident that he can. Maybe they're confident he can because they've seen Volkov knocked out before. Mm-hmm. But Volkov's so much longer than him that once once he hits him that one time where Hardy's coming forward, then then Hardy's brain might be like, dude, stop going forward. Because we don't yeah. know if he's legitimately a fighter's fighter yet. We don't know if he's gritty yet. We don't know if he's a BMF. We don't know any of that stuff. We just know that he's an athletically gifted heavyweight fighter. And we've seen that time and time again. shots to the head for a living as like a defensive lineman, though. Oh yeah, but is that an indication that he can, take, he can a punch? take a punch could in be. the face? You know, it mean, could be. Yeah, yeah. We know he's got a. We know he's got I resilience don't think to he's pain. Gonna be a quitter. I don't think he's going to be a quitter out there. But I, I think but yeah, Volkov, no, the matchup. The matchup looks awful for him, and it's on short notice. And he's a really, really green fighter against a really, really experienced fighter in the other guy's home country. Like everything seems stacked against him. But yeah, he's re- he's, he's relatively the exact same yeah. price as a beat. But I like him more. I know there's that heavyweight possibility, but like, I like I, I like him more. Same here. And if the fight does hit the ground, he, I I think he chokes out Hardy. But I don't know. Well, I, I honestly think that this is a better play than Zabit, and I don't mind Zabit. But Zabit, the price is off. Volkov, it's like barring a puncher's chance, mm-hmm. you have a far superior proven heavyweight talent here taking on a guy that nobody seems to collectively be sold on. So, I don't know. He's the price doesn't like seem that the bad. the most massive step up in competition, too. On short notice. Yeah. In the guy's backyard. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, we got uh, Zalim 
uh, Imadeev taking on your boy. <laughs> I don't know if we can call him your boy, but he's uh, formerly of uh, formerly my boy, <laughs> formerly of Team Saftic fame. Yeah, Danny Hot Chocolate Roberts, uh, Imadeev minus two twenty. Roberts plus 180, take it away. Yeah, maybe he's just been the victim of being saft-dicked, where I, I back over. up this guy. Danny Roberts has got skills, man. He was my boy back from his you know English year, or, uh, regional scene days. Guy's got skills. He's a good striker. He's a good enough grappler. His wrestling's not great, but I mean, his, his physical grappling's okay. Again, he's a slick counterpuncher, and I think he'll do... He's not going to be a world champion, but I think he's going to make us some money in the UFC by taking on these mid-level guys and getting the victory. And for whatever reason, like, what a bust. His entire UFC career, for the most part, has been no good. And it's not like he's not trying here, Paul. I mean, he trains with the formerly the Black Zillions, no, the Hard Knocks 365 team. Yep. Uh, he's got the best training partners in the world, Kamaru Usman, Gil- Gilbert Burns, Michael Johnson. Uh, everybody, you know, he's got good people to work with. And yet, you you just don't see the improvements out of him. Chinny? Yeah, quite possibly Chinny. Guys touch him, all of a sudden he's doing the dance. Imadayev, meanwhile, looked terrible in his first fight in the UFC. Uh, there was maybe glimpses in that first round of like, okay, this guy is a good striker. But all you heard about the guy is that they call him Zabit 2.0. This guy is a wicked striker. He's a better striker than Zabit. This guy's going to go on to do some big things. And he is young, and he's still got a, a great promising future ahead of him. But I mean, it definitely was not justified in that first outing. I didn't think he looked good at all. But the second out out of him i'm expecting to see a better thing because he's got the ufc debut mm-hmm. out of his out of the way he's now back at home you know he's trained good for this fight uh and to be honest it's a style clash that actually favors him daniel Roberts doesn't quite have the wrestling to make this a grinding affair to keep him up against the cage to drag him to the ground and that's what's required to tire him out if you don't tire him out and you just engage in a striking match with him maybe he's going to show some of that glimpses of that world-class striking and if he shows us even a small little glimpse of that world-class striking and catches danny roberts even half flush Danny Roberts has just proven like he can't be trusted in any type of gunfight. So barring that I've just been saftiking him throughout his career, and now that I'm not backing him in the slightest bit, not like I bet him every single time, it's just I give him respect all the time. Are you worried about the reverse saftic? I'm worried about the reverse saftic in a country <laughs> like Russia, where they could be like, oh, one of these guys is going to take a fall, and... Magomed Sharapov, I mean, hey, if somebody was going to take a fall, you could make a lot of money betting against a 3-1. to one. Volkov, I, I don't think the fall's going here, but you know, it's a you can make money on a fall. Imadayev's two twenty, you can make money on a fall. I'm not Volkov. saying anybody's gonna take a fall. I'm saying those fights, there's money to be made, and they all make me somewhat worried because you've got to pay up to get them. Wasn't it Hunt versus Volkov where it was like that like sick, sick line movement the day of the fight? Yeah. Oh no, it was uh, no, no, it was no, Olenek, it wasn't. Olenek, yeah, Olenek yeah. versus Olenek versus uh, Mark yeah. Hunt, and then Olenek goes out there and wins. Like absolutely starts. Listen, I'm not the kind of guy that's going to sit here I'm and like, be I'm like, "This is bullshit." But it's also like I'm the, I've, the biggest conspiracy theorist. So like, some shit. Don't listen to me. Yeah, and everybody knows my story about Shambalaya from back in the day, mm-hmm. who notoriously fixed a fight and then got gunned down as a result. So like, I don't know. Crazy man. shit happens in Russia. Yeah, just grain of salt. Like you know you. The big pokey, uh, pokey Rob parlay at the end of the show, like somebody's looking to shit in the pie. Oh, there's, yeah. There, there, there is, there will be shit, apple pie shitters had, I think, on this code. We have, uh, moving on down, we got Hadis Ibrahimov. He's minus 150, taking on Ed Herman, who is plus 130. This was supposed to be Gadzimurad Antigulov, which for DraftKings purposes, I was really looking forward to because. Banger bus move. Exactly. He's <laughs> he's, uh, he's gonna run out <laughs> yeah, there. He's yeah, gonna yeah, try yeah. to starch Ed Herman. Yeah. And then when he gets tired and like blows blows his wad because he's scared about going deep into the fight, 
Ed Herman coming off of a win over the Chinny, uh, Pat Cummins. Pat Cummins. Maybe you could catch him. So it was like a hunt. It was one of those fights that you'd want to fully be on board with. I kind of like Ibrahimov here, but the problem is the short notice. Um, Herman is the much more experienced guy. Ibrahimov not great on the ground, or like at least his grappling is not great. It's a fight I'm probably staying away from, but I favor the Russian ever so slightly. What about you? Well, if you were looking forward to having Antti Gulov because he was going to go there and bun rush him, then you will be now happy to have uh, the great. Let me get make sure and get his name right. Kadi Sibragamov. Yeah. Uh, because yeah, no, dude, he fights. He fights the exact same way. He's yeah. going to try to go out there hot. He's going to try to bang out Ed Herman quick. And again, this is one of those fights that honestly could play out either way. It could be a dog or pass situation. To be honest with you, I'm a little worried that Ed Herman's 39 years old and has virtually no mobility at this point but he's got a much better skill set in that he is a better wrestler and the dude's a bjj black belt Mm -hmm. and like a a good bjj black belt he has good submissions whereas ibragamov's got all the power in the world when i was working all of those m1 events watching this guy fuck man this is a legitimate prospect undefeated comes to the ufc he is going to absolutely decimate this da ung jung he's a 275 favorite i'm thinking damn minus 275 that's it oof he went out there hot in the first round, but man, this guy's sloppy. He's green. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have a full skill set and he ends up getting just it, his gas tank non-existent. He got gassed out so fast that in the second round, he's not able to bang it out like he did in the first. In the third round, he's so tired, he gets caught in a standing guillotine choke by an unknown Korean fighter that probably shouldn't have been in the UFC to begin with. So did he look tremendous in M1? Yeah. And does he look awful in his UFC debut? Yeah. Herman could take him down and choke him out. Herman could catch him in the same thing. Herman could tire him out. Herman could bang this guy up. But, and we'll talk about it when it gets to DK, like, Ibragamov's going to go out there and put it on him. And Herman at 39 might not be able to take that punishment anymore. If he doesn't, he could definitely knock out Ed Plus, Herman. like, it's like, I don't, he lives on the West Coast. That's like an 11-hour time difference. Huge, like, huge. Yeah. Y- you know, when you're going, like, the 12-hour, like, time switch is... The most devastating, right? Because it's like you're awake when you're supposed to be asleep. Like, I'm sure he's going to go over there enough time in advance, but that's a lot of, uh, you know, the jet lag can be super severe, especially for an old man of 36 years old. Yeah, and you want to talk about greasy theories. Here's one for you. Kadis Abragamov, I dare you to go watch him before he signs with the UFC. He looks like a legitimate talent. Mm-hmm. All of those fights take place in Russia. Mm-hmm. He gets signed to the UFC. The fight's in China. He looks like dog shit. He's not able to sustain because his EPO is probably not in him. He's not able to sustain his first round pace throughout the next mm-hmm. two. Completely tired. Now he's back in Russia. He's not a bad price. Mm-hmm. And he's got he's got the skills to beat Ed Hurd. Short notice is the thing that concerns me, though. Short notice, definitely, considering how bad his gas tank is. Yeah. And, yeah, Head Herman's been preparing for a guy that's similar in nature, although Antigulov doesn't have an ACL and is far older than this guy. And has a worse gas tank, probably. Yeah, he could be actually legitimately much older than Ed Herman as well. Yeah. But now Ed Herman's taken on this young buck who is not he, – he's hard enough to take down because he's a big, strong, athletic guy, and he's going to try to put it on you in the first round. So you've got to be able to survive that, extend him out in that second and third, then you could potentially take over. I I think you probably nailed it right when you said it's a stay away fight, but I'm getting an impression that let me see them at weigh-ins. If this Russian kid struggles to make weight because he's taking it on short notice, has a bad weight cut, I don't know. I could be talked into a dogger pass play. Fair enough. Uh, We got uh, Ramzan Amiev taking on Rocco Martin. Uh, Amiev is minus 130. uh, Rocco 
plus 110. Everyone, any long-term fans of this program know that I'm not exactly a Tony Martin guy, Rocco Martin. Yeah, yeah. I think I promised at some point after he won a fight recently that I would refer to him by his new name. Well, that, that was me. I was like, if he wins this fight, I'll call so him Rocco. Rocco. And then since then, I think he hasn't looked particularly all that good. Mia's just like a really good point fighter. Um, this is an interesting fight. Rock, uh, Rocco, you know, ATT guy and, you know, very, very well-rounded, pretty good at everything. Amiev, I think that wrestling is a notch above Rocco. I anticipate these guys spending a lot of time on the feet. I think it's going to be close because it's close. I'm going to lean towards the Russian in Russia to uh, get any close rounds between the two of them. Yeah. Do you have yeah. different thoughts on this? No, I actually really don't. I mean, I think Ramazan Amiv is kind of one of those guys that he's got a smothering game. Like, he doesn't mind just going through the pace and just holding you up against the cage, trying to work a takedown. Mm-hmm. If he does get a takedown, Rocco Martin's probably a better grappler than him. But he's not such a better grappler that he's going to submit him off his back. He's not such a better grappler that he's, I don't think he's going to just go out there and counter-wrestle him to the ground and have his way. Uh, that would be a good game plan, though, is like, get this guy down before he attempts to just smother you up. But Amiv's going to have some success smothering guys up he's like 15 and 1 in his last 16 fights he's like absolutely flawless and like he's another one of those guys that prior to coming to the UFC I I know these guys are washed right but he's had something like almost what is it like 15 fights prior to 16 fights Mario Miranda UFC veteran right uh Luigi Ferrovani UFC veteran Miguel Falcao UFC veteran that and Natalie uh Anatoly Tokov he's a Bellator veteran now combat Sambo world champion absolutely hot prospect great fighter Takes him out and then comes to the UFC where he's beat Sam Alvey, Alberto Mina, and this uh, Stefan Sekulic. It's like he's got a winning type of strategy. Is it the most exciting thing in the world? No. Now, if this fight takes place in Vegas, if this takes place in another jurisdiction, I'm a little bit worried. Mm-hmm. Because, by the way, like, what are you going to do once you get the takedown? Like, Rocco just went three rounds with Damian Maya, like, and, and, and put it on him in the third round. Yeah. Like, basically you're going to have to fight the type of point fighting game plan of just like win rounds. And whereas that might not work in Vegas or might not work in Florida where he's going to get a favorable rub, his best rub would probably come if they're in Minnesota because that's where he's from. It's not. It's in Russia. So the rub's probably going to go to a Meave who's, it's not going to be a pretty fight, but they're grappler versus grappler. They're going to be in grappling exchanges, close grappling exchanges that'll likely get favored towards Ramazan Meave. Likely true. One thing that we'll have, you'll have to do, though, like, you know, uh, Saturday morning when you're watching these fights is like what? Like if there's any early decisions and there's Russians involved in those decisions, like just be really, you know, pay close attention to the scorecards. Is it kind of, you know, does it seem like the Russians are getting favored or favored a bit? Like, I don't know, maybe if like Davy Grant versus Popov at the beginning goes to decision, just like be careful about. You know, how get try to get a sense for like where the judges, what direction they're going in, like whether they're favoring grappling, that type of thing. It's like every commission, every place that you go, sometimes you can pick up little tips as the day goes along. You know what? Instead of doing the traditional Pogi Rob parlay at the end of the show, what we're gonna do is we're gonna do the Ali Abdelaziz parlay at the end of the show, where it's just just bet the guys he manages, you know? <laughs> yeah. And and by the they're way, by the way, who, who somehow convinced the UFC to move Magomed Sharabov versus Cater versus from Boston to Russia, make it the headliners and, and, and keep it as a three round in the game. The UFC doesn't do three round main events. Who the fuck talked? Talked him into all of this shit. Ali. Yeah, right. So Ramazan Ami is going to be just all right. 
And Rocco Martin, I mean, he's also an he's also an Ali Abdelaziz Ooh, guy. Kayla Ali. Harrison, who is his girlfriend, is a prized pupil of Ali Abdelaziz. So there could be double fuckery going on here. So I don't want to say oh probably gosh. another pass, but I would say this is a dicey one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's gonna be close. Um, close rounds. Oh, it'll be an interesting fight though. But yeah, Amiv is the pick for me. It sounds like it is for you as well. Uh, we have Shamil Gatsimov taking on Klitsin Abreu. Shamil is 8,900 minus 190 favorite. Uh, Klitsin Abreu, 7,300 plus 165, I guess. We'll go, to, we'll go to DraftKings at the end of the show again, but uh, minus 190 plus 165. Uh, I'm assuming that you're leaning towards the Russian here as well. No, I like Klitsin Abreu. Klitsin Abreu is the Russian terror. This motherfucker knows how to fight Russians, and he knows how to fight Russians in Russia. I like this. He's had a lot of success throughout his career uh, fighting in Russia. Let me just bring up his stats for you. But, uh, yeah, honestly, Klitsin Abreu, he's a Nevolusiao Thai guy from Brazil. Yep. 26 years old, always getting better, right? I'm um, going back to, he's got a win over Johnny Walker back from 2015, who I know people are no longer on. I get that. And then once he beat Matt Baker, Canadian guy, shout out to Matt Baker, he goes straight out to Russia, right? RCC3, takes out Victor Nemkov, 27-6, currently in the PFL tournament. Mm-hmm. He goes out there, he chokes out Victor Nemkov, first round, or second round, minute into it. Win. Yeah, legitimate win, because he's actually a pretty decent grappler. BJJ black belt, big, thick guy. Once mm-hmm. he gets you to the ground, puts it on you, right? Then he takes on this Anton Viazigin, 11-2, and two, actually pretty decent Russian prospect as well. Straight armbar once he gets him to the ground. Then he takes on Magomed and Kalaev, his UFC debut. Now, mind you, he's already named the Russian terror at this point. Goes into their backyards, chokes out both these guys, takes on Ankalaev. The problem here is that Ankalaev is an awesome wrestler, so he's not able to take down Ankalaev. Mm-hmm. As a result, he basically just gets... You know, put the paces put on him. Uh, he goes through the motions, and he's unable to really mount anything. Comes into that Sam Alvey fight. People are really not giving him all that respect, but Sam Alvey's just not the same guy that he used to be. And uh, he didn't fight a great fight. I didn't think it's Alvey, but a good fight. And Alvey's one of those guys that's hard to take down. So now I look at this Shamil Gamzatov. Shamil Gamzatov, it's a, it's a strange situation. On the Ali Abdelaziz parlay, you'll have him because he's managed by Ali Abdelaziz. But he was fighting for PFL last season, and he never lost the fight. He was looking pretty good, but he's a striking Russian. He's not one of these smothering grappling Russians. And Paul, we love Russian fighters, but we love the ones that absolutely play to their advantage and grapple these guys. Gamzatov's not that guy. In fact, his takedown defense, not great. His grappling, just okay, but he's a decent enough striker. Doesn't lose in the PFL tournament, gets injured, doesn't fight in the finals, and then this season, released from his contract from PFL to sign with the UFC, and he's getting a favorable hometown uh, fight in his debut. But I don't think his grappling is kind of, it's a little bit... set him up with someone called the Russian Terror. It's a little bit suspect. Potentially, they're seeing something in this matchup. No, that's actually... That's actually his nickname? Literally, his nickname is Klitsin the Russian Terror Abreu earned said nickname by choking out two Russians I'm in sold. Russia and then lost to Ankalaev in his debut. Comes back, beats Sam Alvey. Now he's got this spot. The biggest thing here is you're getting a good price tag on him. He's plus 165. He's got the grappling chops, chops to submit this guy if he gets him to the doesn't ground. Have the wrestling take him down though, probably. He might struggle in the wrestling a little bit, but whereas he was struggling taking guys down like Sam Alvey, let's say, this should be a way easier because Gamzatov's not a wrestler, right? He's a striker. He wants to keep this fight standing. The same thing could be said against his fight with uh, Viktor Nemkov. Viktor Nemkov's not a wrestling Russian. He's a striking Russian. All he wanted to do was just keep the fight standing and go with him. Klitsin Abreu's striking, not that bad. Good enough to lull you into an exchange and get your ass to the ground. Once he gets you to the ground, he's just a superior grappler. 
at least in a lot of these matchups. This seems to be the type of matchup where he's going to have a grappling advantage. And because he's already fought in Russia multiple times, had success against this type of style, and is the underdog, I think it's definitely a play worth looking at on a card where you mentioned all of these favorites, all this and that. So the only thing I don't like is that his opponent's managed by Abdelaziz. But uh, I don't know. How many conspiracy theories can you can you think of? I mean, we're in Russia. It's plenty. Maybe all the Russians lose. What would that partly pay? Quite a bit. <sighs> could you imagine? That's not happening. No, because Russian pride <laughs> overcomes the money that could be made there. But a guy losing? Yep. We got uh, the biggest favorite on the card next. We have Magomed Ankalaev taking on Delka Langiambula. Uh, former EFC champion, right? Yep. Uh, Ankaliyev minus 400. Langiambula plus 325. Actually, earlier in the day, I posted a little poll for like, you know, I listed the top fo- top four favorites. And uh, I wanted to see who people thought was going to shit in the apple pie. Let's see. The current results certainly. Current results. Um, I think it's pretty much close to done, this poll. I only did a two-hour poll. Uh, Ankalaev, only 7% of people think that he's going to shit in the apple pie. He is everyone's consensus, most confident pick up top. I suppose he has the biggest, he is the biggest favorite at minus 400. Uh, Abubakar, number two, minus 320. Um, he's only 18% of people. Volkov, 38%. And Zabit, 37%. So it's between Zabit and Volkov. Yeah. Those are the two that I got pegged as apple pie shit potential, to be yeah. honest. I'm gonna, I'll, we'll talk about it at the end of the show. Uh, ankle, uh, so Lem Gimbula, like he looked good in his debut, but it was against Townsend who came in on like, what, like less than a week's notice type of thing. He was just a local guy coming in to fill in for that spot. Ankle Ive, though, let's not forget, don't sink your whole night, but, you know, don't forget that this guy one time was absolutely uh, dusted by Paul the Deer. Not dusted, but finished by the Bear Jew with, like, next to no time left when he was up, like, what, like 30-26 probably going to those scorecards? He was thrashing him. He was certainly thrashing him. So, you know, he can. this guy knows how to shit in an apple pie, like, to a a different degree. But it's hard to not pick him here, I don't think. Uh, I think Langan Bull, EFC guys... I do not have a strong history in the UFC. Uh, you go back to Juan Potts. He was also an he was UFC the, he champion. Was the OG. So, like, you know, don't get too excited about it. But, like, this Gareth guy, Bula, looks like a great athlete, like, very, very strong guy. Um, I don't think he's, like, Ruan Potts level, but Ankolaev has all of the skills as long as he doesn't have to get, or as long as he doesn't get submitted. And I don't see that as a threat against Langiambula. Yeah, Dolce is the EFC Africa light heavyweight champion and heavyweight champion. He's had a lot of success over there. Unfortunately, that doesn't really count for a whole lot. What he's got going for him is that when you see a lot of fighters who are coming from a poor regional scene over to, you know, the UFC, for example, it's just the grappling's on another level. They kind of seem lost at times. Uh, he's not just a regional scene fighter. He's got a judo black belt. He's actually got an okay ground game. He's kind of difficult to take down. He's got some advantages. He's got some snappy power to him. He could have some success in this fight. Unfortunately, Ankalaev has looked unbelievably good outside of that one goddamn moment. moment. One fucking thing, dude. He's thrashing him. And to, to make matters worse, it wasn't just like, oh, he shit in the pie that one time. He was a 7 to 50 favorite. Seven and a and half. And he looked like a minus one. 750 favorite. 
until he was he looked, tapping. Yeah, well, okay, mind you, it's Paul Craig. So it's like he was doing to Paul Craig Fair. what we expected him to do and just thrashing him. And then it's hard to say, you know, I'm going to say he didn't throw the fight because if he did, he really waited to the last second, man. You know what yeah, I mean? The, like, the I people, highly doubt the it. people who were in on the fix would have been like, like, what are you sweating, doing? <laughs> sweating pretty hard at yeah, that point. Yeah, like, okay, round yeah, up his family. He's uh, about to fuck it up. tapped out way earlier yeah, in yeah, that fifth yeah. round if you were trying to throw the, fo- Third the round. third round. Yeah. That, that's what I meant. If you were trying to, not at the five-minute mark is what I was So I just think it was just like there. a mental lapse. And you could actually see this triangle choke coming in slow motion, but any taps were really fast too so that's all bad stuff but i mean yeah he looked awesome prior to that and then that marcin uh Pracnio fight it's just like well, dude way to way to go out there and beat somebody up very convincingly knocks him out three and a half minutes mm-hmm. into the first round to make up for that embarrassment against paul craig then his last fight against clitson and Breu gets the decision but again i don't mind clitson and Breu. Yeah. i don't think he's some scrub opponent so ankaliyev to me has been looking good uh, good enough. I think that he's going to continue to do good, and he's got that grappling advantage. Is it going to be hard to take down Dolce because of that judo black belt? Yeah, but he's going to get him down. If, for whatever reason, he struggles to get him down, I still think he probably has striking advantages. I think that he could pl- probably just play the outside range game and do enough to outpoint him. If it is relatively close again, Russian fighter in Russia, going to get the favorable to rub, but I-, I think he wins striking exchanges from the outside mm-hmm. long enough to score a takedown, potentially a few takedowns, and then, and then from there, once he does get him down, that's it. Yeah, like his he has gra- top control and his ground and pound is guy. nasty. He's not one of those guys that's just going to hold you down. He's going to put it on you. Now, when has he faded in a fight with that Paul Craig fight? But it's his UFC debut. It's his first time jumping into the big show and the big bright lights. And it kind of took him 14 minutes before he, uh, to be honest, he kind of looked like he was fatiguing largely throughout the fight, but he kept going till one second left in the goddamn round. I'm sure that hurt a lot of people. That, that actually card in general, I think Hakeem Dawadu lost his UFC debut that night to Danny Henry, right? So that card fucked me pretty good. Mm-hmm. He was just part of the fuckery. I don't think that's going to be the, the the case here, even though he is, what, the biggest favorite on the card. Yep. I don't, I, I see why he is. And I feel more comfortable with him than I do with Zabi or Volkov, even though I don't mind Volkov either. We have Ruslan Habilov, minus 200. Sergey, the Candyman, Kandoshko, plus 170 he got here. So I, I know this one's not part of your poll, but I don't know why I have a bad gut feeling about this. Why is it only 240? I know. Habilov should absolutely crush Kandoshko. Not crush in the sense of finish this guy in the first round, but in the sense of absolutely dominate him. He's got a smothering point fighting style, correct? Sure. But I mean, like, he, guy, he thrives against guys outside of the top 30 that can't grapple. And Kandoshko pretty much fits that description to a D. Is there a guy who's been a bigger, like, bust from where we thought he was going to be? Then Russ, I'm sure somebody's bigger. He's got to win over the BMF, Jorge Masvidal. Exactly. Like, I mean, he like was he was throwing spinning back kicks on Jorge yeah, Masvidal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, this guy also face. has the rest, wrestling game. But like all of his fights just turn into these like slow, gritty slog fest with lots of like, you know, cage control and stuff like that. It's like Rusty. Rusty Cables is, uh, as some in the community call him. It's like, you should be able to like dominate grappling exchanges against most of these guys that you're taking on. And, it always ends up being a lot more slow paced than you think. So I, I agree with you, though. It's like I, I 100%. And then recently, you know, if I'm really, really confident in a side of a play, this is the spot that I actually, me and uh, Pogi Rob were watching last week's card. And he's like, he's like, oh, Shag Fade is back on in full force. I'm like, 
It is. And it's only happening to the fights I'm most confident in. Like, this is the one. Gillespie last week. So he's like, all right, go through next week week's card before I'd even really look yeah, deep Darren into it. Lynn, I'm Gregor like, what's Gillespie, the name that gets drawn out Hobolov. to you? I'm like, oh, Habalov is going to wrestle fuck Kandoshko. So if you believe in curses, Shag Fade full force right now. Well, I don't know. Maybe you know what to do. Yeah, but yeah, I like yeah. I like Habalov too, and think that the line's not enough. Well, here's a greasy theory for you, Paul. Yeah, uh, I think Habalov, like you said, when he defeated, remember when he was throwing around Vince Pichelle like it was nothing. That's my boy. Like nothing. It was a he whole. He was supposed to be league. on this card too. Yeah, well, that would have been sick because you know there would be some money to be made there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's just tossing him around like it was effortless. He, 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 he cracks Jorge Masvidal with a spinning back kick right in the face and floors him. The BMF himself. I really could fight, actually. Um, man, he looked good. Now, they would tell you that when he fought Jorge Masvidal, it was like four days after his 30s or his 27th birthday. Fortunately, I don't buy that. I think Habalov way older than he claims to be. I think he was probably closer to 31, 32 when he beat Jorge Masvidal. And now you've seen him look increasingly worse now they're he's telling like always you he's had that little bit of gray hair like he's always had that it's like oh that guy's 26 i'm like he debuted in the ufc at 26 though? and he just looks like a battle-tested russian it's just like oh, okay you fought for one fc just I, I don't know man like i i didn't fully believe it right from the get-go but yeah no he dude he looked good in the beginning and in fact it's not that he's not look good it's that his style is meant on just killing the excitement mm-hmm. all together he will just suck the excitement straight out of it. He's not looking to pick you up and slam you on your head anymore. He's not no. looking to land a spinning back kick in the no. face anymore because he's probably like 37 and I think his knees are probably hurting a little bit and he's fighting what he believes he to be. Bacchiotomy. Yeah, yeah. Now, if you're going to do that, you're going to switch up your style and I agree that's what he's got to do to win and you look at his record, it's like the guy wins. I know he lost his last fight, but again, he's had a very successful tenure in the UFC on his style which is you know just out grappling you and making a boring fight so that takes a degree of high ring iq to switch a style like that but he he kind of makes you worry in all of these fights because he'll stand striking for a little too long and he loses the striking exchanges he shouldn't be losing them but his striking is just it's fallen off pretty sharply as far as the grappling goes he's not getting the guys down He's holding them up against the cage. He's per- There's a perception he's winning these grappling exchanges. But you look throughout his record, man, and there's a lot of fights like the Chris Wade fight, the Leandro Silva fight, the Jason Sago fight, the Des Green fight, where they all have moments where it's like, man, what are you doing? You should be cruising on mm-hmm. these guys. But you're not. He wins those fights. I truthfully believe he won all those fights. But it pains me to say this next one. He lost to Cajun Johnson, man. Yeah. I mean, it's just split decision, but the UFC already was like, to get him out the door. Cajun's got to go, dog. Yeah. So we're going to give him the one guy that's going to give a real bad performance, like oh, you stink lost out the joint. Some Havilov. Sorry, you're out of here. There will be no excitement in the fight whatsoever. So you're going to be a very, no. who's going to want to sign you off that performance, right? It doesn't look good. It wasn't like, oh, dude, that was a banger. I'll sign Cajun Johnson. He'll bring excitement to my organization. It's like, oh, dude, that fucking fight was a stinker. Do you really want to pay him UFC quality? quality money for him to come to your organization and try to start up a union? No, you won't. <laughs> so, Cajun's got to go. Habalov's getting this decision no matter what. And he loses to Cajun Johnson and yet squeaks out, a, squeaks out a split decision. Writing's on the wall right there. You need to avoid this guy. Also, you go back a number of fights. He fought Adriano Martins. Remember that fight? He did absolutely nothing. He stood there and allowed the fight to pass him by. Hard to get behind those guys. So then you have then you have the Cajun Johnson fight. It's almost a pre-gone conclusion. Now, 
He's headed downhill. Foregone. Yeah, foregone. I like it. When you, I like it when you, you have your own language. <laughs> I sometimes I just like I like the, those spots. Yeah, because I'm rolling. But yeah, yeah Diego sure. Diego Ferreira. Really, if you can see the decline happen for Hobolov, it almost makes it easy to say, "Geez, Carlos Diego Ferreira. Someone's gonna expose this guy. Carlos Diego Ferreira is the guy." So now you have a matchup with him versus Kandeshko. That Kandeshko is not the better fighter, and his style, Hobolov's style. Taylor May should cut through it like a knife. Taylor May, but what does Kendoshko have? Well, he he could potentially be a better striker. He could, and if Hobolov stands there and doesn't do anything and doesn't try to take him down and doesn't push that pace, then maybe that's why they're sitting at minus two hundred right now. That they're thinking, ugh. Or what? 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 what the price you give is it two hundred? Yeah, yeah I, I still can't believe it. Like I just. It's, it screams somebody put a large amount of money on Kendoshko. And because I can't wrap my head around that, it makes me nervous. And we're in Russia. Yeah. But and this two Russians, you can't even be like, oh, well, they're going to edge towards this Russian. Yeah. But Kendoshko is he, against. Or is he Ukrainian? Kendoshko, or is he Russian? He's Ukrainian. Ukrainian? Yeah. Mm, they don't like the Ukrainians. No, no. And, and, and <laughs> you watched that last fight with, uh, Rostam Ackman, and it's like, it's very difficult to get behind this guy moving forward. He's an instant fate. And you're like, oh, whoever he fights, yeah. whoever he fights, I'll probably fade him. And not only is he just getting I mean, a nobody, he's getting Hobolov. If Hobolov clearly wins round one, I'll bet after, in the round one window, I'll bet Hobolov by decision. Hobolov by decision. That may be, if like, he wins that first round, that, that would probably be the play. If, if Rustam is getting takedowns, and doing it easily, I'm in him by decision after round one. That's that's where I would probably where I would play. agree. Where I would agree is to me personally. It's all going to depend on price. Yeah, too, yeah, in yeah. That and, to, and to me personally, minus two hundred is such a good price on Habalov. I don't even need to chase the decision. Although he'll probably win a decision. I, that I completely agree on. He's a decision machine. Mm-hmm. Fuckery could come in the form of bet the finish. Nobody will bet the finish. You don't know. You don't know. And so I, I, I just watch all the tape in the world. Hobolov is not impressive, but what he does is, again, it's the same winning formula that we've seen out of other guys. Just go, Ameev has got pretty much the same thing, but Hobolov takes it to a new level. He's fought tons of top 10. Remember what he did to Benson Henderson? Mm-hmm. And then he faded and got choked out. Yeah, this isn't a five-round fight. And it has been all downhill since then. It's just like, I don't know what happened to him that day. But the glimpses were there, whereas mm-hmm. Kendoshkov is just a striking specialist who's looked very vulnerable to takedowns. Yes, sir. We got Roman Kopolov taking on Carl Roberson. Straight pick him here. He got... Yeah, I think I'm going to go with Kopolov. I think this is actually a really good fight. Um I think it's going to be, yeah, really interesting. Yeah, yeah, but uh, this Kopolov guy's not just some random guy that they sign. Like, he looks pretty legit. Uh, you watch any of the tape on him, and he's got pretty crisp striking, good hands. I think he's going to be able to carry that throughout. Doesn't look to have... Like his left body kick. Yeah, yeah, I think he's a pretty crisp, adequate striker. And whereas Carl Robertson is also a pretty good striker, mm-hmm. Carl Robertson doesn't mind trying to take you down and he'll grapple you as well. And whereas I don't think he's going to take him down, it's going to be forced to just be three-round striking battle, a good entertaining, solid three-round striking battle. You could definitely make an argument for dog or pass, but there's no dog in the fight anyway. So I'm going to take the Russian guy, who, again, I'm not just betting him because he's the Russian. I think you give me this fight in anywhere but New Jersey, and in Iowa, I'm going to take him again, right? 
Uh, but it's going to be a close fight. It's going to be a competitive fight. I got respect for Carl Roberson, but I think that this Kopilov guy is got a bright future. The problem with Kopilov is like we've, you go through his record, you see some of the guys he's taken. Like this is a big step up in competition, no doubt. And he's looked decent against these opponents, but like he's just like ice and fools, and he's got all these finishes and stuff on his record. Um, yeah, this is a big step up in competition. Carl Roberson as well. Like he kind of, when he first came into the UFC, was like a bat out of hell. He'd come out really, really fast, looking for the finishes. The last couple times out, uh, a little bit more patient. I mean, yeah, that probably has a lot to do with you know stepping up in competition, that type of thing. But um, yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's a close fight. I'm leaning Roberson to be perfectly honest, just based on experience, but. Yeah, we'll see what happens on Saturday. You have anything else to add to that one, really, or no? Yeah, I, I don't know. I guess you're right in the sense that he, the kid's been off for a year, and Roberson's kind of been on a little bit of a roll. Roberson trains with a good team. Roberson's got some tools to win this fight. And if it was dog money, I could be talked into mm-hmm. Roberson. But I, whereas a lot of people will look at his record and say, I don't see a whole lot of notable names, he, he's fought adequate talent. That Yasube Inamoto used to be a top talent. Fourth round, takes him out. Finishing him? Big feather in the cap. Finishes him in the fourth round. His cardio again, good. Kobe Ortiz runs right through Kobe Ortiz. He did kind of get screwed in that fight. Runs right through against uh, Enemoto, where he landed this body kick, just pure. He's got a nasty right to the like right, maybe the liver. Either way, so the guy curls up, but then the ref thought it was like a low blow. Steps in, but it's just like the guy was curling up. This is the time where you can rush forward and just bomb on him. Hopefully, overwhelm him while he's just like trying to like recollect his organs. So he kind of did get screwed in that and then did get the finish in round four. So, yeah, he's young. He's making all the he, right he's improvements. Young, he's, but ma- we'll, he's young. He's making all the improvements. Big step up. But how many, how many, say, American regional show guys or Canadian regional show guys or Brazilian regional show guys, like you see them like just like most young fighters, you, you build them up slowly. Like this guy hasn't really been built up slowly. His first mm-hmm. pro fight, guy with a losing record, but the guy had 22 pro fights. His yeah. second pro fight against Jose Santos, the guy was 7-1. and one. It's his second pro fight, and he's already taken guys. He, and he's smashing all these guys. You talk about that body kick. He's finished guys in the body kick. I talk about Kobe Ortiz. Kobe Ortiz is tough. The doctor had to wave that one off after two rounds. He's just like, man, you're fucking him up. He's got some good power. Now, the thing with Roberson is, and he might have made adjustments, but do you remember the Glover Texera fight? He's putting it on old man Glover. But once he failed to take out Glover in the first round, Glover takes him down and just has his way with him. He looks tired. He gives up the submission. He gets submitted. I don't think Kopalov's going to submit him, but I think Roberson is one of those guys that maybe if his confidence gets low mid-fight because he's not having his way, he's not knocking you out, he's not beating you out quick. Jeez, he went three rounds with Jack Marshman, so is he going to go out and knock out Kopalov? No. So Kopalov's going to tag him up. Once he tags him up, maybe he starts second-guessing himself. So fair enough. Listen, it's a 50-50 fight. You're, you're going against it. I'll go once again, the Russian. If a name's an, if it name Here's ends thing too, in if, OV, yeah, it'll be an OV parlay well, as well. Yeah, we'll put EV as well, but that'll be If it ends in V. If it ends in OV or EV. Or just V. (laughs) Yeah, then you probably could fucking put them on a parlay. I feel like if you want to bet against Russians, you got to look for somebody who's got some finishing ability. Because it's, yeah, any close rounds, like, this is maybe us just being xenophobes or something like that, but. The same thing happens in God. I hope not. Is that thing, what we're coming across? Same thing as? happens in Canada. Like we, it's it, it travels. Home cooking is uh is is everywhere, right? Like Canada, Canadian scorecards are awful. Like so, it's not just anything 
specifically against Russia. Right, right. But Russia, Russia has a if he dies, he dies mentality, especially with like, you know, you go back to Fedor, wasn't that? Fedor versus Fabio Maldonado. Yeah, could like be some he of the actually had to of- die. They were not stepping in. There was no early stoppages to be had that night for Fedor. Like he had to be killed. He was basically already killed, and they let him still survive. Well, I mean, so I, I, I only, I can't take that out of my brain. Yeah. So like, if you're a Russian, they're gonna give you opportunity to get yourself back into the fight. Yeah. Well, I, well we, you know, at the start of the show, when we had to do like, what's the question this week for the DK giveaway, we ended up going with "Give us a greasy theory." Yeah. If we didn't go with that, the question that I was gonna ask this week is, but of all the commissions, right? Which one do you feel least comfortable with? If they're in Mexico, if they're, but if they're in, if they're in Brazil. Is it Brazil going to give the biggest rub? Is Mexico going to give the biggest seems rub? Like Canada, Canada is a terrible Brazil rub. Brazil seems to have the shit together the last few times I've went there. The I last few like times, but I've seen okay. some bad ones. Canada's pretty bad. Yeah, but, but even no like Texas. Texas is the worst. Texas and then New York just kind of gets like fooled oh, yeah, yeah, by yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. Like if you have, I'll if counter you have to, the Texas thing though, yeah. Paul. Texas is not awful for the Texas fighter. They're just they're awful in general. Everybody's equally treated awful. I mean, I don't know what they're looking at. Whereas, like, Sergio Marais versus Tim Means, it's like, come on. Come on. How are you giving Sergio Marais two rounds? That kind of stuff. My answer would have been the Russian fuckery. I've watched a lot of Russian fights where it's like, it just doesn't make sense, man. But the problem there is that, it, let's say, let's say to be an athlete in Russia, I don't want to come off as xenophobic at all, but I'm, I'm just, just I, I know, I know, I know, I know. But I just, I'm saying right now, I don't mean to, like, sound that like if I do, but... You need a sponsor to get out of like a poor athletic system to go on to the next level, right? So a lot of these guys have public black backing from either it might be a politician or a rich businessman or all these people. So there's an investment there, right? It's not like some American kid who just went to school and wrestled D1 and then now he's starting up his career. Like there's, there's no investment there. Some, some guy uh, gives him from a tire company and gives him a couple bucks to get going. But like in Russia, it's like, oh shit, this guy's a world combat Sambo champion. He's trained, you know, in the mountains of, uh, Ingushetia and, uh, he, he's battle tested. We're going to build this guy's career we're gonna fly in american talent for him to beat so that he can look good on paper and that's why you see a lot of these guys remember i said uh with Amif, oh he's beating a lot of ufc talent they're all washed ufc talent yeah. but somebody's paying for washed ufc talent to fly to russia give them a decent check so that it's a pretty name on your record so that you can sign with a bigger and larger promotion so there is an investment there and they're not going to take their investment lightly they're not going to let the guy lose if it's a close fight if the guy gets dominated he's going to lose if the guy gets knocked out it's obviously that he's lost but you look at the Fedor fight. You talk about investment in somebody, there's a massive investment in Fedor. So they were not going to let him lose that fight. When it comes to Bellator, he's getting knocked out. So what can you do about it? But um, yeah. yeah. Here's a little fun thing. Cody has circled every single guy with OV and EV. OV and EV to know where the fix is in, I guess. Anyway, let's move on to the next guy with uh, V to finish off his name. It's uh, Habib's brother. Uh, cousin. Cousin. He has so much family. I get I get confused these days. Who's who? Um, and yeah, it's not a family affair with me. Just because I'm a I'm a, I'm a Habib nut hugger, it doesn't doesn't, doesn't carry it doesn't, doesn't carry, carry through any. It doesn't carry throughout whatsoever. Yeah, you're not um, a Saeed Bu- Bu- Nurmagomedov guy either. Yeah, he's ninety three hundred or ninety three on minus three twenty favorite Zawada. His opponent sixty nine hundred and plus two sixty. What's your take here? Well, I mean, he's definitely not Khabib, but he fights a poor man's style of him. I mean, he likes to grapple. He doesn't have that same top control. He doesn't have that same, like, aggression that he can just pound on you for 15 minutes to 25 minutes and just keep going and going and going. But he's got all the skills in the world to be Zawada. And Zawada's not necessarily a, a, 
a, a walk in the park opponent, but his skills are very much. He's a cookie cutter, you know. He's mm-hmm. like a Kyle Bokniak. Like his skills are well rounded, but he's not a specialist not in one. Special at any, yeah, in any one dimension. And he's looked. He's given an okay account of himself in the UFC, but he's always struggled with somebody that's just going to take him down and grind on him. And that's what you know, Nurmagomedov. I can't even call him Junior. Really, he's not his kid or nothing. But yeah, I just feel like that's what he's going to be able to to do to him. So I feel like Abubakar's got advantages in the grappling. He's going to get a favorable rub if it goes to the scorecards. And just shy of what Magomed Mustafa of knocking this guy out, like he hasn't looked terrible in his career. He's just he's a not a world champion. He's not a top ten guy. He's going to be able to beat the Zawadas of the world, but I don't know how much he advances beyond that. So I give him the wrestling advantage. I give him the grappling advantage. I think he's going to be able to keep up a decent pace for 15 minutes and ultimately end up scoring a decision victory. Now, at minus 320, you got to be a lot sure of this guy. And on you on on Wikipedia, just to yeah, stop. Yeah, yeah, no, go ahead. They have Habib yeah. listed as his sibling. Oh yeah? Oh geez, yeah. well I could be wrong. I, I thought, thought it was, it was his cousin. His I thought it was his cousin for some reason. He's just like the bad Nirmagomedov. Like he is not Habib, man. You know what? Maybe it's yeah. Maybe it's his brother. I don't know why I thought, I thought it was I always cousin. thought it was his brother. But yeah, there's such a big entourage of them. But he has so much family. Times. He calls everybody his brother. I'm not. I'm not convinced that Wikipedia is right on this either. So, so yeah, carry yeah, on yeah. in knows? the comment section. You guys can tell us that well, we're yeah. idiots and and tell us what's actually up. Yeah, anyway. I don't. I don't know if it matters all the same. It listen, really doesn't. Listen, Sorry, I cut you off. He's, no, no, no. It's fine. I'm just saying, three twenty is a kind of a big price tag for. Is he going to absolute? But. The skills seem to be there. The style matchup seems to be there. The fact that he's going to get a favorable hometown matchup here, it's all there. 320, I don't love it, but I understand it. Yeah, let's move on. We've got Roosevelt Roberts stepping in for my boy Vince Pichel, who whipped Roosevelt Roberts' ass, taking his Russian rapper match, taking on uh, Alexander Thunder of the North. I don't think that's his nickname anymore, but it was great when it was. Um uh, who is plus 135, Roosevelt Roberts minus 155. Uh, interesting spot for Roberts, I guess. I think he's, you know, he's a young guy. I don't think, what was it? How, was I, how am I going to phrase this? I think it's good for him to uh, to have taken that loss against somebody who is so well-rounded, like, like uh, Vince Pichel, who's pretty good at everything. I call him like the Swiss Army knife. He's like good at everything. He's not exactly elite at anything but he was good enough at grappling to win those exchanges against roosevelt roberts now yukovlev like he's a decent grappler in his own right able to kind of hang around with damian maya for a bit on the ground despite being mounted largely for the entire fight yeah but like not get finished (laughs) yeah uh, impressive enough man yeah so i think slightly i would edge towards him being a better grappler but i think better athletes and you know the uh, the better pace, everything like that. I, I think Roberts would beat him on volume, but we're in Russia again. So if anything's close, I wouldn't be surprised if we get stymied on this one. But Ro- Roberts is my pick here. You can make a compelling argument both ways, I think. Roosevelt Roberts is probably the better athletic fighter. He's a lot younger than the 35-year-old Yakovlev. And yeah, he's going to have a speed advantage. He's going to have a striking advantage. The thing is in the Vince Pichel fight is that, dude, he actually looked really good against Vince Pichel early. But Pichel's a grinder, man. He's a warrior. He's able to try to take you down and put a pace on you and then... Roosevelt Roberts tired, man. Once he tired, Vince Michelle got him down. Once Michelle got him down, he had his way. Won two mm-hmm. rounds, got the decision victory. So he's taking this fight on short notice. I'm not fully convinced that maybe he shored up the, that those cardio issues. And against Yakovlev, Yakovlev's going to try to take him down, going to try to grapple with him, which should theoretically tire him out again. So yeah. Roosevelt Roberts 
I don't know that he's got the, ah, he's got okay power. He could catch Yakovlev, but if he's not knocking out Yakovlev in the first round and he starts to fatigue, he's got to not only just take a fight at short notice, he's got to take a fight at short notice, fly all the way to Russia, mm-hmm. do all this paperwork, get there. How long ago was this boat, boat uh, switched? I think it was like two, three weeks, okay. which is, you know, relatively short notice. It's short notice enough, especially yep. because you've got to when travel it's... to the other side of the world. Yeah. You're getting fed gruel. The hotel, it's all different fed to you. Gruel. I'm kidding. Uh, you're you're going through all these different, like, it's a cultural change, right? And that yep. in itself takes it out of you. The time difference takes it out of you. You're used to fighting at night. Now you got to fight it, like, early in the morning. You know what I mean? Things are going to be thrown off. I guess it's the afternoon, but things are going to be thrown off. Things are going to be different. That all leads to an adrenaline dump. That And when you get an adrenaline dump, you start to get tired. When you start to get tired, Yukovlev might put it on you. Yukovlev hadn't fought in, like, Almost three years, like two and a half years prior to fighting that uh, Brazilian Oliveira. And he didn't look good in the first round. He lost the first round, I thought. But his opponent was taking him down. His opponent was trying to counter-wrestle him. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. Here, I don't think Roosevelt... Roosevelt Roberts got a pretty nasty little guillotine choke on him. But yeah, unless Yakovlev just sticks his neck right into it, maybe that doesn't come into play. So what I will say is that a lot of big favorites on this card, a lot of like solid enough favorites. And I do got... Sharapov the favorite, Volkov the favorite, Imadayev the favorite, Ibragimov the favorite, Amiv is a very slight favorite, but the favorite. Klitson and Bray is going to be my dog. Yep. Ankalaev's the favorite. Hustam Hablov's the favorite. Roman Kopolov. dog with a shot. Roman Kopolov is, is, is even. Uh, Khabib's, uh, I guess, brother, cousin, doesn't matter. Nurmagomedov, you know. Yeah, dude, 135 on Yakovlev, and we're going to talk about our DraftKings team in a bit. Like, if you've got to take one of these cheaper plays on your team, then maybe he doesn't go out there and choke him out or anything like that. But just like Vince Pichel, Vince Pichel was scoring multiple takedowns against him. Vince Pichel was grinding him. And Yakovlev, once he does get you to the ground, he's not the worst grappler in the world, man. I mean, he's got a submission win over Paul Semtex daily once upon a time ago. He's used to be pretty big for the weight class. I understand he's... Uh, oh, yeah, there, there's another thing. The guy's fucking gigantic for the weight class versus Roosevelt Roberts, who's... Not necessarily the biggest guy. He'll be way faster than him. But I could see spots where Yakovlev could definitely have success. So I'm going to label this one a dog or pass because I'm getting plus 135 on the dog here in Yakovlev. I'm not going to put him everywhere. I'm not going to go heavy on him. But I think he's a dog with a def- definitive chance to maybe pull this one off. Jessica Rose Clark taking on Penny Kianzad. Jessica Rose Clark minus 115. Kianzad minus 105. Basically a straight pick him. I actually like Clark here. I saw her on the gram. Somebody was retweeting something of hers on the gram. She looked like in great shape um, heading into this fight. We haven't seen her in a bit. 16 months off, yeah. um, This is a fighter, yeah, that I think, you know, you have two. They're both European. So, or sorry, not sorry. um, Clark is fighting out of the U.S., but Kianzad's like from like Sweden, so they're both traveling there. Nobody really has like a home yeah. home field advantage here. I just think Clark is the more more well rounded skill set here. So give me her in a close fight. What about you? Yeah, I'm not usually one to bet Jesse Jess Rose me Clark uh, at all. It's not exactly my thing, especially considering that Penny Kianzad already beat her at Victor 13. Or yeah, Victor 13 was like three years ago, but. Actually, it was four years ago. But that's a classic example of like one fighter coming up and one fighter yeah. coming down. Because Penny Kianza was on a roll back then. She was 8-0. Uh, it was an Invicta standard, the Invicta champion. And it was just like, man, there's some high expectations for her. She can strike a little bit. She's a good wrestler. And 
she she could be have a promising career. And it's just been downhill since then. She's had a lot of abysmal performances, made it onto the Ultimate Fighter, didn't look great on the Ultimate Fighter, lost to Macy Chase out in the finals. It's just kind of been like up and down for her. I can't say that she's made any improvement since that early promising run that she had. When Jesse Jess Rose Clark started out, oh shit, man. Go watch any of her early fights. Like it is oof, it is it ever bad. But like she tries, man. She wants to do this. She pushes for it. She perseveres. And I cannot say that she does not make improvements every single time out. And she lost to Sarah Kaufman in Korea before she came over to the UFC. I was not high up on her in the UFC. She cost me money in her debut because I had this perception of here's a girl that's just not all that talented, taking on Beck Rawlings. But here's the thing. Beck Rawlings is fucking not all that talented. No. And Jesse Jess Rose Clark is making improvements. Is the younger fighter way bigger than her, by the way. I mean, you got one girl here that struggled at 135 to make the weight, coming down to 125 versus Beck Rawlings, who's way better at 115. And way better is not even saying much, by the way. But coming up, it was just, yeah, I should have never even bet Beck Rawlings in the first place. And then she fights Paige Van Zandt. She didn't look great. Paige Van Zandt broke her arm, and it was still competitive. And since then, she hasn't looked too good. No. But... She's making the grind. She left Australia after that. Remember that uh, Julian Rebo? He went by Jules the Jackal. He was an MMA fighter of Australia. He puts a, I guess he beats her up because she brought the wrong noodles home and she kicked him in the head and knocked him out. After that, she left. She went to Extreme Couture in Las Vegas. She's been full-time in Las Vegas ever since. It's like three years ago. That in itself has led to the improvements. And because yeah. she's such a hard worker, she's grinding it. And by the way, she hasn't got a job. She works at the, well, no, she does no. have a job. She works at the gym. She, she does looked, the kids' she classes. She's pretty jacked. Fuck, man. This girl's in the gym really every day. Shape. She just grinds and she grinds and she grinds. Now, 16th month layoff, I don't like that. Yeah. The fact that she's already lost to Panny Kianza at one time already, I don't like that. But I am a firm believer that this is a girl that works hard, is making improvements versus Panny Kianza, who's just relatively, you know, a stick in the mud. She hasn't made those improvements. And last but not least, because Panny Kienza seems to kind of doubt herself, if you march forward on her, you put the pressure on her, and you touch her up a little bit, that's when she starts to her game folds apart. Mm -hmm. When she has her way, that's fine. Once upon a time, she was way more skilled than Jesse Jess, so she beat her up. This time around, Jesse Jess is greedy. She'll come forward. But it was a leg injury that sidelined her for 16 months, so I, I don't know if it'll... We got to see her on the scales to make sure that she made weight clean, mm -hmm. how did the trip to Russia and all that stuff play out, but, but yeah, where we don't have a ton of dogs... There's three basically even money yeah, plays yeah. in Ramazan Amiv, um, Jesse Jess Rose Clark, and Roman Kopolov. I know you're going the other way on that one, but that will definitely I do see some value in as well. So I think she's a she's a pretty okay play. And finally, we've got Gregory Popov taking on your boy team team Saftik original. He might be in Saftik too lately. Yeah, uh, Davy Grant. Uh, Popov minus 190, Grant plus 165, who you got here? Yeah, so there's a definitive possibility that I was saft-dicking Danny Roberts, and the theory here will be we'll see how he looks now that I'm way off him. Davy Grant will have no such luck. I am on Davy Grant. <laughs> I thought you'd. Let's see what happens here. Fuck, he has not looked particularly great as of late, Paul. But you know what, man? He's one-dimensional in the sense that he's big for the weight class. He's got to get you down. He's got to outgrind you. The UFC has done him no favors in the sense that he's always hurt. He's always got an injury. He takes these massive lulls. And then when he comes back, they're giving him seemingly winnable matchups. A hundred percent, they're giving him seemingly winnable match usually in the uk though damon stasiak is a bjj black belt really isn't all that bad in terms of just his grappling mm -hmm. fox stasiak catches him with that arm bar cost me a lot of money 
Then Manny Bermudez. Like, Manny Bermudez is so one-dimensional with his grappling. And Davey Grant's just got to survive one round, and he'll beat him. Triangle choke, 59 seconds. It's like, shit. I mean, the guy just taps. Grant's thing is that he was a good grappler. But, like, even back in his Ultimate Fighter days, like, a good grappler, but then you put him up against Chris Holdsworth, and it's like, oh, no, there's levels to this shit, and you're an okay grappler. Yeah. And now when you're taking on a black belt in Stasiak and a young, opportunistic, red-hot go-getter in Bermudez, he got out-grappled in both those spots. Who lost his job recently. Lost his job recently, just got cut. And Davy Grant is going to be added to that list of 12 if, if he doesn't he win this, this fight. fight. If yeah. he doesn't win this fight. For sure. He's got big laws of inactivity. We get that. He's injured. Mm-hmm. We get that. It almost seems like they're doing him a favor here. He has not looked good. He just got submitted two times with big gaps in between. But styles make fights. And this is a, this is a style clash for him. Gregory Popov is a good striker, but he doesn't carry a huge amount of power. And even if he carried, you know, even if he was some sharp guy with some power, Grant's not losing because he's getting knocked out. He's losing because he's getting caught in submissions. I mean, this guy couldn't knock out Chinny, Chinny boy, uh, Eddie Wineland in his last time out either. Eddie Wineland beat him. Uh, Eddie Wineland finished him because he was able to take that, those punches early on. And then, and yeah, it's the problem with David Grant is just like, if anybody, if they have a, uh, dynamic, um, submission game, that's where we get really worried. At the end of the day, we're still relying on a British guy to secure a bunch of takedowns. That's going to make me nervous most days of the week. Okay. But fair, but this fair. is not a Russian with the counterbalance of that wrestling. This is a guy who is a Muay Thai specialist, and that it. That's yeah, it. yeah. So you after the Chris Holdsworth fights for the tough title, he loses that. He beats Marlon Vera. That's actually a pretty decent little win. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, the Damien Stasiak fight, Paul. He's on top of Stasiak. Takes him down on top of him. Stasiak throws up that motherfucking armbar and catches him. God damn it. The Danny Bermuda, the Manny Bermuda's fight. He's on his ass. He gets caught in that goddamn triangle choke. God damn it. You're like, he could get on you. It's just if you're throwing up submissions and you're good at submissions, he's seemingly getting caught by said submissions. Gregory Popov has never had, he's a Muay Thai fighter. Yeah. 100 Muay Thai fights. Does so not have very good takedown. So he'll probably submit him as well, right? God, in this sport and guys like Davy Grant. And if he, okay, if this is a Saftic, you will know yeah. if he gets submitted. <laughs> Tap, tapped in the first minute. Yeah, that shit, like, would, that okay, shit would be wild. Okay, whack. this is nuts. But yeah. You're getting 165 on Davy yeah. Grant. I see how he can win this fight. I am playing Davy Grant and, yesterday. And I mean, and that kind of rolls us right into the DraftKings plays that I think down low there, I think like Davy Grant is my favorite cheap guy. Yeah, yeah. Just because, like, 7,200, I've got a guy who's going to go across and try to secure takedowns. Like, Who else do you like? Um, well, before we get to that, so I think the number one kind of story on this slate is, like, how much does this being a three-round main event kind of affect your stance from a DraftKings perspective? Because, you know, most people are still going to – a lot of people are not going to know that it's a three-rounder versus a five-rounder. Main event's always very, very much well-owned. But here's the one thing about it. Zabit never fights five rounds anyway. He averages 117 points per fight when he does that, right? Uh, let me just write down the time code here so that people do not. They know what to jump down to the DK. Yeah, around 109. They don't want to listen to the, all the other nonsense, all the other xenophobic nonsense. Now I'm feeling bad about myself, Paul. Thanks a Xeno- lot. Xenophobic nonsense. Well, now the people who skipped to this part are going to have to go back and look. Oh, see what, fuck. See yeah, what well, oh, well, maybe they'll at least uh, leave a positive review of the show to get some 20 DK dollar. This is true. All right. Um, 
So the real, but the, yeah, the thing about him is that like, even, you know, in his last fight, which is like, he didn't look great. Round three, he started to slow down against Jeremy Stevens. All that. He still scored 92 points, but 9,100. It's just like, if the beat wins, like he's probably going to pay off his price tag. That means he's probably securing takedowns against uh, Qatar. So that's my play there. I think so you the like fact him that it's three play. rounds versus it helps Zabit in both ways. Like if it was a five round fight, I think Qatar would be interesting because if this goes five rounds, he could really pour it on late. Plus, he's more of a striker. He's not going to be going for any takedowns. He's not going to secure any takedowns, or we don't expect him to against Zabit. So, he, you know, significant strikes. You're you'd be banking on like you know over the course of five rounds, he's going to kind of pile them up. Uh, should he win? I, I, Zabit has showed us no reason to like doubt his chin either. I mean, Zabit. No, that Abe Lincoln beard in itself is protecting. Exactly. Him. Zabit at 9,100 is just like, I can understand people who want to get off of this fight in general. There's definitely an argument to be made there. But when Zabit wins, he, he definitely reaches value at this price. So you're saying that's your high play of the week? <sighs> and and grants your low play. No, let's just run through. Well, the, I'll, I'll run through. Run it, yeah, through the numbers here. You want you want to do it the well, same as last week? How do yeah, you just do because this? we can't we can't really just go through every matchup and break down the DK side. We just of it did that. We'll be here for another hour, right? Exactly. So I'll just rifle through it like last week, and sure, could be good. You're gonna run through the matchups. What are you gonna do? I'll let you just do it. Yeah, thing. and you you interject with anything you disagree with. All right, okay. I'm just gonna leave it on the two. Shot. Okay, well, well, you 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 said basically everything that has to be said with Magomed Sharapov. I agree. The guy usually fights three round fights. He can still score upwards of 100 points. This is a guy that's gonna play to his game. Plus, he's got the takedowns and the submissions in his back pocket. I still think you could play him at 9100. Feel pretty good about that. Alexander Volkov, he's 9200. Jeez, Alexander Volkov, if he goes out there and puts on the 146 punches that he landed on Derek Lewis in a three round fight, he's not a lumbering heavyweight. He's a mobile quick heavyweight that's going to have punch output. He could knock out Greg Hardy. By the way, this guy's got a motherfucking nasty head kick. And yeah. Greg Hardy, when you train, he's green. when you spar, he's nobody green. tries to kick you in the head because it's you're going at 70% kicks, right? You're going at 70% speed. You're, you're not trying to take the guy out and hurt him. So yeah. I, I think Volkov could get a knockout or he could just absolutely run rickshaw on this guy. Yeah, I think that again at $9,200, even though I'm suspect on the money line, I think you could feel good about him on DraftKings as well. Zalima Madaev, $8,800. Yeah, I think that's the one. Danny Roberts is suspecting getting a finish. Roberts has been knocked out before. Roberts has definitely made some bonehead decisions before. Roberts has had moments where it's like, dude, you can win this fight over Claudio Silva. Please don't do this to me, Danny. All I do is fucking praise you. Don't fuck this up. But he does. But now, so, the, now the reverse saftiking is, well, is in play. Well, now the reverse saftiking plays. Zaleem did not look good his last time out. But he's $8,800. So you're going to save some money as opposed to Volkov and Magomed Sharapov. And he's got basically the same upside. If he knocks yeah. out Danny Roberts in the first round, then that's good as if Magomed Sharapov scores 91 points in a three-round decision or if Vol- Volkov could knock out as well. So yeah, Imadive is a little bit cheaper of a price. He's going to be less owned. Like you said, people want the main event. People want the big heavyweight fight. People want to either bet on Hardy or against Hardy. Yeah, sure. That's all going to be decent ownership, I think. I think you could you could do good with Zalim. Ibragimov, he's going to go for it. $8,700. He's a GPP play. Not a cash game play. Yep. GPP play. He could knock out Ed Herman. Again, I don't mind that. Ameev, $8,400. This is a stay-away fight this is, on yeah. DraftKings. Just the no. pace of Ameev's fights His and Rocco Martins. Want. Like Both of these guys, like a 60-point yeah. winner, very much in play here. So it's like they win the decision, 60 points. It's like it doesn't kill you. The floor is probably all right on these guys, but um, 
but yeah, stay away. I think from a pace perspective. Right. So I'm gonna. I'm saying 84. No, the other ones don't mind to this point. Shamil Gamzahov, 8900. No, no fucking way. That's not gonna happen. Uh, again, even if he does beat Klitsin Abreu, like he's not gonna knock him out. I don't think he finishes him. Ankalaev just took him 15 minutes. Yeah, $8,900 is way too big of a price. And I think Clinton Abreu, we'll talk about him in a second. I think he'll be okay. Uh, Ankalaev, $9,400. Even though he'll get takedowns, I don't know that Dolch is going to be getting back up continuously. So I don't know that he scores eight or nine takedowns. He's got decent ground and pound, but that's a high price tag. Yep. So myself, 9400 he is the biggest favorite on the card. Maybe that draws some extra ownership out of some people because, you know, you like getting the big favorite on your team. I, I'm not fully convinced that at 9400 he doesn't have any better of upside than some of the cheaper options that we've talked about. Hobolov, 8,600, like, oh, dude, all he does is be, you know, he, he's a crotch humper. Like, he gets on you, and he'll try to hold you up against the cage. Is not very good for DraftKings. Kopilov nope. at $8,300, there's a great mid-range play. I truthfully believe, I know you disagree, but I think you could finish Carl Roberson if he catches him later in the fight, second round, third round. If not, you know, the guy's got cardio, he can keep this pace up, is going to be a striking battle. The one thing that worries me... I just worry that it's just like... With no takedowns. No grappling, yeah. the points. Yeah, yeah. The but points $8, $8, could be low, another... another if it goes to decision, another kind of low-scoring striking affair. You would need a second or third round Which you're trying to avoid those. You're looking for finishes. You're looking for grapplers. Like, that's just yeah, not the, the yeah. game that we play here for the most part. Unless they're paced like a Max Holloway or some other people. is just so – their their output is so high. You go on a check. There's plenty of people who have a – high enough output, but I just haven't really seen it from either one of these guys. Fair, but we've had a lot of expensive plays. He's in one of those mid-range plays that I'm going with him. Roberson's the other way. I guess we'll have to see how it plays out. Sure. Nurmagomedov, $9,300. I think this is a good stock class for him, but again, he's a little bit more priced than some of the other ones I like. I, I, I'm not feeling him. Roosevelt Roberts, $8,500. Not feeling him. In fact, I'm going probably going to go dog on that play. Jesse Jess Rose Clark, you like Moneyline, Jesse Jess. I like Moneyline, Jesse Jess. She's actually not that bad. Like, she keeps a pretty decent pace. Like, if you look at the Paige Van Zandt fight, and more so... hard to pay off, but if she's able to get some takedowns in this spot, um, that's, that that's my issue. Floor. That's my issue, is that against Beck Rollins and Paige Van Zandt, she's a much larger fighter. Mm-hmm. She's able to get takedowns. She's able to move now forward. She's, she's able smaller. to store striking. But because she's probably going to be giving up a little bit of size here against Piani, who does have a wrestling advantage... Take that off the table. Don't love her as much. I do love that she's a mid-range play, $8,200. You know, I'd like to get it a little bit better, but I'm not going to, obviously. If you need to save money and you're looking for someone who's going to win, maybe a cash game situation, but not a GPP yeah, situation. Fair. The, the, the ceiling's and, not there. And Gregory Popov, like, he would have to knock out Grant to get anywhere near 9000 Grant's never been knocked out. I, I'm really not feeling that whatsoever. So this- and barring a massive Saftik situation for Davy Grant— I don't see it. So just start with Grant and move back up because you just talked about him fresh. So Grant, Grant seventy two hundred dollars. He would be a guy that I'm looking for for value because seventy two hundred going for takedowns. Like those are the spots that we're looking for, and he's not. His biggest problem in his game is the submission defense. This should not be an issue in this matchup. Totally agree. Panny Kanza, I think she's going to lose, and I think that even if she does win, it's going to be a grindy three round affair where she won't score up. If you're going to play her at all, she would be another cash game situation. But it's just, yeah. there's so low, low upside on that one. Mm-hmm. Alexander Yakolov, $7,700. He's probably going to give up the first round. And he's going to have to grind this guy two and three. Does he score more than 77 points, even in victory? Maybe not likely, mm-hmm. right? Could he be a good dog play? I believe so. Could he be somebody that if you need someone who you think is going to win and you only have that kind of money? If you have that much money, left, and then yeah. Then yeah if but you get back to that mid range, because a lot of times we'll make lineups this but week. But you want to like, take down a big I don't big know if you've team. built it all, but like you end up right in that range so it's like you need to end up taking like 
uh, Yakovlev, Kandoshko, uh, uh, Tony Martin. So it's like, or uh, Panny Kianzad. So it's like if you're 8,000 or lower, like he seemingly is our favorite play out of that bunch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, well, I'm not allowed to give him lineups apparently anymore. But yeah, I mean, We're I not think. Out I, a no, no, no. We I like think, the most out of that bunch. Right, right. And I think everyone can read between the lines that Davy Grant for 72 and Clitson Abreu for 73, those would how I'd be yeah. offset having to take a mid range sure. play that's not going to score huge. If so, I'm playing a cash game team, it switches all together. But as far as going for that big GP, I got to take a shot. Those guys got decent enough upside. The other guy, Sergey Kondoshko, he is going to be not scoring any anything. Dolce against Ankalaev. I don't see him scoring anything. No. Clitson's obviously my guy. Rocco Martin. Rocco Martin could win this fight, but it's going to be hard to score big against him. He never scores big even when he, he has a couple performances where he gets the finish like when he finished uh, former soccer player. What's his name off the top of my head? I can't think. Uh, former soccer player. Or uh, lacrosse player. Oh, uh, Holtzman. No. No. No, lacrosse That's player. a hockey player. Yeah, oh, Ryan LaFleur. Ryan LaFleur. Of course, Ryan yeah, LaFleur. Yeah, he knocked out LaFleur. But I mean, when that he knocked was out him, he's like, that out. was like his ceiling his fight. Out, he yeah. scored like 100 points or something like that. But like most of the time when he wins a fight, it's like 65 points in in victory. It's like nothing nothing exciting. Maybe a cash game play. Yeah, I could see a cash game play. Could he spring a dog upset? Yeah, he could spring a dog upset. But that's not going to do you a whole lot of good on the DraftKings side of things. Ed Herman, 7,500 bucks. Mm, that one's actually looking not that bad when you consider. Well, that's, that's terrifying. Ibragimov completely. He come. Yeah, if you're playing multiple lineups, you're not going to take. Uh, you're not going to put Ed Herman, Klitson Abreu, and Davy Grant all in the same lineup. But if you do and it hits, you're making a lot of money. So people that play multiple lineups might take something risky like that. It's just when you talk about apple pie shitters, it's always who's going to shit in the apple pie. Their favorites. Yeah. This is if you put three dogs on a card, it's like one of these guys is not going to shit in the pie. It's not their responsibility to win. But I can see two of them coming through. Ed Herman might be the one that doesn't quite pull it off. Maybe I like him a little more than I should. 39 years old, very, very slow when you see him out there. But at $7,500, man, when Abragamov did run out of gas, he gave up the submission like nothing. Ed Herman's a better grappler. This is a decent enough little spot. He's taken on this guy on short notice. At least worth a consideration. Yep. Danny, Danny Roberts, Roberts, he is off of the team Saftic brand at this point. He's, he's out. He's way off. And Greg Hardy, I cannot sit here with a straight face and tell you $7,000 is not a damn good price for Greg Hardy. I mean, no. But I got Volkov, so I'm not going to play GPPs, Greg Hardy. He's like, he should be involved. He's $7,000, and his only his path to victory are, is bum rush him and knock him out. His coaches, if they are smart, yeah, yeah, they are yeah. going to force him to just yeah, go out there and right. bomb on him. God damn right. And is not a bad price. Shit, if he, if, if he hits, he connects, it's going to be round one. It's going to be early. He is your boom or bust play on this card. Yeah, yeah. That's Do you it. have the stones to pull the trigger? That's a different story because his floor is going to be pretty pretty low, man. Yeah, that's exactly it. And so, then Cater. Yeah, and Kate, Calvin Cater's got the value as well. But it's, it's only the, there's no grappling there. It's only is, three rounds. If it was five rounds, you 7,100, I could totally yeah. get a lot more on board with that one. And this is actually the exact reason we switched the format of the show to just let's do the money line and make our picks. Yeah, because we've just told you that we both have Magomed, Sharapov, and Volkov. And then on the backside of things, the, the value is on Greg Hardy and yeah, Calvin Cater. No doubt no. about it. Wow, listen. I don't Calvin know, man. Cater- I think people are going to talk themselves off of uh, Zabit here. And it's just like even in three, all three round, like all of his fights are three round fights and he still scores big. It's whether he can get that takedown. And I think he can, man. Like, And this guy, this is guy it, shoots yeah, six yeah. takedowns per minute. Like, or wait, six 
per 15, I believe. Six takedown attempts per 15 minutes. Like he's, he's yeah, getting and, he, and yet he's known for his striking. And by yeah. the way, like he's got good submissions when it does hit the ground. Yep. Yeah, submitting Brandon Davis with the knee bar maybe not be massively impressive to people. But man, you saw that Suluev stretch. That's some fucking shit. And the fight was same, the Shaman Marias. Shaman Marias is a dangerous striker, just like Calvin Cater. <laughs> not as good as Calvin Cater, don't get me wrong. But, once he took that out of the equation and took him down, then he was easily able to submit him. So, yeah, he's got passed. The last thing I'll leave you with, though, mm-hmm. is that even though I've, I've picked against Calvin Cater and Greg, Greg Hardy, and we're talking about that value and whatnot. Yep. If Hardy's going to win, he's 7,000, he's going to get a first-round knockout or second-round He's going to have to use that power. He's going to have to score big. If Calvin Cater wins, he's not taking down Zabit. It's only three rounds. If he scores 100 significant strikes against Zabit, which I do not see happening, plus his decision win, he's... Still not scoring all that much. You're probably going to get 75, 80 points out of him at most. You know, if if he scores 70, 80 points at $7,100, you're springing a big upset at 250. But you're not going to, it's not going to reflect on the DraftKings side of things. I don't yeah, probably think. not. Now, people are talking about this power he's got recently. Like, dude, he's knocking guys out. But you nailed it yourself. I've watched this guy a long time. That power hasn't always been there. His numbers are a little bit low on that. He he won a split decision over Kenny Foster like two fights before he signed with the UFC. I, I you can't fully buy into it and all of the fuckery of moving this fight, keeping it as a three-rounder. It's all to favor Zabit. It all favors Zabit. So if I'm going to look to fade one like, of those main event or co-main event in that regard, Greg Hardy would be the bigger GPP punt for me. Yeah, I agree. And I think I think Zabit I'm, I'm interested to see how things shape out. I never know what in, uh, ownership is going to be. Main event ownership is usually pretty high, but like I wouldn't be scared off of Zabit. Like the, the the narrative of oh it's not a five round fight is going to be around everywhere. It's just like none of his fights have been five rounds, and he's still scoring way more than no, 90, this is this is only than 90 made, points every single time, right? This so is it's only like, made so that it's just like, oh, a three-round favors him and a five-round doesn't. Yeah, he may so gas let's make it a three-rounder. Exactly. Pretty, pretty crazy. Anyways, the quickly, just uh, just to wrap it up, the Pogi Rob parlay. All right, PRP. So, yeah, Zabit, Volkov, Imadayev, Ibragimov. Ah. Uh-oh. Uh, I'm going to take Ibragimov. I'm going to take Ibragimov. But that's a coward move by me. Uh, I'm going to take a meme. My first dog officially will be Klitsin Abreu. I'll take Ankalaev, Habilov, Kopilov's even money, Nurmagomedov. Uh, we're going to go with Alexander Yakovlev. Can't coward twice. He'll be the second dog. Davey Grant will be the third dog. Jesse Jestros Clark is another even money. Three even monies, two dog, 13 fights. Definitely money to be made on this card. So I know last week, thank God Jorge Masvidal pulled it out in the end. But yeah, we had a couple. Uh, Gregor Gillespie definitely, definitely hurt, but... You know, I just uh, noticed what your shirt. What about it, Aurora? You you in just because you're not getting you caught in on, in on the C- sponsorship are you money, Paul? Some, Are you getting CBD money and not telling me about it? Why do you think we had to do the show on Thursday? I had an important business meeting in Pennsylvania. Is that where they're based out of? No, it was a horse sale. I, thought, I, thought, I think they're based <laughs> no, out I went of to Denver a horse sale. To be yeah, no, honest, I've been gone I, the last few days. Yeah, yeah. No, we're gonna get. Where'd you get the shirt from? I, I, I want I want to know the greasy theory. Where'd you you just you show up here? No, no, no. You just show up here with an advertisement here. Like I wouldn't know. Well, what the fuck? If I was wearing if shirt. I was wearing an Adidas sweater, would you be asking me about where did I get no, my Adidas sweater? More... If I got a Nike sweater, like uh, should I just wear plain black sweater? Mess message receive. You know what? Now that I think about it, you pretty much always wear plain black T-shirt unless Khabib's I'm sponsored fighting. by big big. 
Big uh, plain black T-shirt. Yeah, I don't know. Basically, they ran some like – I was doing some work for Substance Entertainment Group. They were throwing like a launch party for them. And you got some like bag when you came in, but anyways, I mean, it looks like a nice sweater, made, dude. It's made by Champs. Like, why do these it fucking looks, idiots it give looks away like a quality sweater? Why would you give away a sweater like that as a promotional you be getting paid giveaway? Some bucks. I wouldn't. Hey, I'm not going to stop you from getting paid bucks if somebody wants to give Cody Saftik. If you want to be on Cody Saftik's chest here, reach out to Cody Saftik. Yeah, give the give, give the kids some money. That's right. Yeah. That's anyway, right. Cody Saftik, ladies and gentlemen, you can follow him on Twitter at CJ Saftik. You can follow me on Twitter at Paul Shag. Um, so for Cody, I am Paul saying goodbye and good luck. Experience. Experience. <laughs>